If you find yourself hunkered down during this coronavirus storm, you might be reading some books you hadn't touched in some time. That's why my partner Marcia Smith and I decided we would hunker down today with a fun topic, trivia on authors and books. Today on The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marcia Smith. Welcome to The Off-Ramp, a chance to slow down, steer clear of crazy, take a side road to sanity, and get some perspective on life. Perspective is what a lot of us need right now, because there's an awful lot going on with regard to the coronavirus that is unsettling many people. Sometimes it's best to self-isolate, sit down, maybe just crack open a book. A few days ago, Marcia went to the Cedarburg Library, our very own library for which we do this podcast, and found... A big run on the release of new books. They were almost all checked out. It's like toilet paper and paper towels. People, people want to uh, get the latest books and bring them on home. I think, actually, that's a, that's a good outcome. Because people are hunkering down and deciding to read. So today, our topic is trivia on authors and books. My partner, Marcia Smith, is here, and we're going to uh, entertain some fun questions in the next half hour. Okay, you start, Bob. What book does this first line come from? Okay. Okay. First lines of books are very important to get the reader That's engaged, right. right? It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. No, this was, <laughs> it was a bright, cold day in April, and the clocks were striking 13. <sighs> Good Lord, I don't know if I ever read that. It was a bright, cold day in April, and the clocks like were Alice striking in Wonderland? 13. No, but it is a fantasy. Kind of a, a bent fantasy. A bent fantasy. It and wasn't, you did read it. I did. Yeah. It wasn't Clockwork Orange? No. Like that. It's like that. Well, I don't know. 1984. Oh, was it really? George Orwell. The first line is, it was a bright, cold re- day in <sighs> April, and the clocks were striking 13. Jeez, I didn't remember that line. Okay, oh, here's and that a, was a great book. What book does this first line come from? This will be easier. Call me Ishmael. Ah, the old man in the sea. Well, sort of. Oh, wait a second. It's an older book than that, but it's about the sea. Call me Ishmael. Oh, of course. It's um, Moby Dick. That's right. All righty. Her- Herman Melville. Okay. Oh. Here's one last one. Okay. Sure. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. Where the heck are you getting these, Bob? <laughs> uh, it sounds like... Um... It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. No clue. Jane Fonda. No, No. No. Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. Okay. Oh, that's so funny. I was only kidding, by the way, about Fonda. Authors and books. And you got a question there? Let's start out with a fun one. I'm going to give you four clues to name this book an author. Okay. Okay, ready? All right, all right. Okay. Number one, this book has frequently been banned and has been made into four different movies. Okay. Thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> well, part of me thinks maybe, I think of some of Mark Twain's books have been banned, like uh, Huckleberry Finn or Tom Sawyer, and that's been a couple films. Ah, that's true, but no. Okay. Okay. 
Number two, it was this author's first novel, released in 1974. Really? It's yeah. been banned? It, it's been banned at different times, yes. Wow. I find that hard to believe, but it has been, yeah. 1974. I'm thinking of something like Thomas, uh, Tom, um, who wrote The Right Stuff. Yeah, Tom Wolfe. No. Tom Wolfe, yeah. But no. Okay. All right. Clue number three. Clue number three. Special powers take this story up a notch. This is not Harry Potter. No. All right, I'll give you four and you'll get it. Okay. Both of them, I'm sure. Now regarded as one of the masters of the horror genre. Stephen King. His book takes high school revenge to a new level. Carrie. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Carrie. Isn't that good? Oh, What did she have? Remember her powers? Oh, God, she could uh, telekinesis. telekinesis. And what yeah. was that? Well, she could move things around. She could just look at somebody, and I think she started them on fire if she had to. <laughs> yeah. The Firestarter was another one of his books. So. Oh, yeah. But anyway, that was his first book. Did you know that? 1974, Carrie. Not bad for uh, first one out of the shoot, huh? No, not at all. Amazing. I've got a question similar to that. Okay. This famous author worked in a laundry and was a high school teacher, and the later job gave him fodder for one of his most famous books. Who was he? He was a high school teacher and um, the breakfast club. No, it's the same guy. It's Stephen King. Oh, really? That's where he got some of his ideas for Carrie. No Cause, kidding. Cause you got a, the same yeah, question? Yeah. Our uh, same author? He uh, he graduated with a degree in English and a teaching certificate at the University of Maine in 1970. First, he couldn't find a job, so he, he worked for a time in a commercial laundry, where he wrote. Mm -hmm. Then in 1971, he was hired as a high school English teacher and there observing all the terrible things teenagers do to each other. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> he got much of the material that he incorporated into Carrie, and that was published three years later. But... Uh, but his laundry experience must have inspired him, too, because for years before he became highly successful as an author, he did a lot of his writing in the family laundry room right next to the washer and dryer. But this was his first published yeah. novel. But Carrie well, was the first. So what, are, what are the chances you and I come up with the same uh, author and book and neither one of us got the answer? It's, very, it's <laughs> funny, actually. Very funny. All right. I've got another uh, three questions for you to name the author and the book. Okay, okay sure. Number one. This was considered a social commentary on the division between the rich and the poor. Mm -hmm. That's number one. Any guess? I, I'm thinking of Charles Dickens. Okay. One of his books uh, could be Great Expectations, but could be uh, The Tale of Two Cities. No. Number two. You've already answered this, but author was a journalist his whole life, despite his literary success. Did you know that? Well, I knew he was a journalist, yeah. Yeah, but he never gave it up. Was was he? Which book was it, what we're trying to identify that? Number three, we'll give it away. Was it Oliver Twist? No. They're all about class distinction, yes. aren't yes. they? Now that you say those three. This is the third clue, and you should have remembered one of my all-time favorite books. It's all about Christmas and redemption. Ah, A Christmas Carol. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Well, it's interesting because I had a question, Marcia, mm -hmm. similar to the last one. He was a factory worker, a freelance journalist, and an editor, and one of the greatest writers of English literature. Who was he? Charles Dickens, again. Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. 
for God's sake. Now, did you know that he started working in a factory at the age of 12 when his father was put into To a prison. debtor's prison. A debtor's yes, prison. I did. Right. That's what I was I was going to, if I wanted another clue, I was going to say his whole family, when he was 12, he his family was in debtor's prison. And that real-life experience yeah. about a child being forced to grow up and work informed yes. many of his most famous yes. novels, like Oliver Twist and Great Expectations. And, and it all helped to lead to some of the changes in the, the social structure in England. Absolutely. Who had uh, allowed all this to happen. But you're right. He was a court reporter, a stenographer, and a freelance journalist. And one of the keys to his success was the fact that he founded and edited literary magazines, which serialized many of his own novels. <laughs> so it's a little nepotism I there. think so. I think there's names for that today. Yes. Well, that's very interesting. Okay. I have a question for you. Yes, Bob. Okay. This science fiction author was a bona fide science professor. In fact, she has a PhD in quantitative behavioral ecology. You might not know her name, but you know the series. It's Diana Gabaldon, who is the author of the Outlander time travel series. Oh, which we like. Well, we've been watching uh, one of the adaptations of it for television. She's yeah. quite a Renaissance woman. She was a professor at Arizona State University. And there she founded the journal Science Software Quarterly. She contributed to the Encyclopedia of Computers, and she wrote scientific articles and textbooks. And in addition to her time travel novels for the Outlander series, which started in 1988, she's written comic book scripts for the Walt Disney Company. So she's no done kidding. all kinds of wow. things. Yeah. Man, that's interesting. Okay, Bob, what best-selling novel laid the groundwork for the Civil War? That was the uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin, Harriet Beecher Stowe. That's right. You Ding, ding, ding. And that's the one where Lincoln said, so this is the little woman that started this whole thing. Is that what he said? Something he couldn't like say that. that today, could he? No, but, no. Uh, it worked back then. And that was 1852. It was a bestseller and was the most popular novel of the time. And it depicts the realities of slavery. And it uh, sold millions and millions yes, of copies. Yes, it just enlightened a whole world of people. In a and time when there was no television, radio, or they mass even, media. They even referred to it in The King and I, you know, the, the, oh, that's right. in the movie and in the play. and it's uh, Yeah, it was that iconic at the time. I've got another question for you here. Uh -huh. What famous author was once an airline ticket agent? <laughs> this is like, don't quit your day job. That's what this is. Yeah. All these different. Okay. What did this person All right. do? All right. This yeah. author once was an airline ticket agent. Lay it on me. Harper Lee. Oh, Harper Lee. And she wrote To Kill a Mockingbird? Right. Okay. She was, uh, she was the daughter of a lawyer, and she even entered law school at the University of Alabama, but she dropped out in 1949 and moved to New York to become a writer and to pay bills. She became a ticket agent for airlines. No kidding. Now, do you know how she got her big break? A bunch of her friends did something very generous for her. Do you know what it was? No. One Christmas, a bunch of her friends got together. They put their money together to give her a year's salary so she could quit her job. And write? And write. Focus well, on we should all have friends like no this. No kidding. Oh, including our son. He and, needs these pals. <laughs> and the manuscript she was working on became To Kill a Mockingbird. Wow, which was... Uh, Amazing. 1962 film, of course. This is interesting. Um, she loved that movie. And, uh, you know, unlike many authors, uh, Stephen King apparently has never been happy with any of the films done oh, in his, really? his, his books. But she praised the screenwriter at the time, saying, if the integrity of a film adaptation is measured by the degree to which the novelist's intent is presented, Horton Foote's screenplay should be studied as a classic. 
Hmm. She thought he did a great job of adapting wow. her novel for the screen. Well, that is rare praise for adaptations. All right. A century and a half hasn't diminished this fascination with these four people, Meg, Amy, Beth, and Joe. Who are they, Bob? Are they the children in Peter Pan? Good guess, but not even close. Oh. (laughs) Okay, the names again? Meg, Amy, Joe, and Beth. Four children. And it's, uh, this is, adaptation is, I think, even running right now on television again. Really? Yep. What is it? These four girls are the March sisters. Oh, little women? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Louisa May Elcott. And she published these stories in two volumes in 1868 and 1869. Think of that. It's running now. What is that, a movie or is it on TV? It's a, a series. Yeah, on a TV, TV series. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, and it just never stops. Yeah. And it became one of the most timeless uh, stories in American literature. 150 years. And has been made into several Oscar-nominated films. It just keeps coming back. So that was quite, a, quite an accomplishment for Louise. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to ask you a question about an author that you like, I know. Mm-hmm. This author's father conducted elaborate treasure hunts for the family. That may have inspired him to kind of be the kind of author he is. Who is this author? His uh, father conducted elaborate treasure give hunts. Give me another clue. Think about it. Give me another clue. He's written several books that have been religiously controversial. Oh. <laughs> uh, and they deal with a famous artist. And artists like like Da Vinci, paint, like Da Vinci. Oh, I, I, could it possibly be Dan Brown? Yes, the, <laughs> I gave you that one finally. Yeah, the author of well, the Da Vinci Code. Yeah, that's a book full of secrets and it treasures. It is, and codes, and, and I love code breaking, and yes. So uh, apparently his dad, who was a teacher at Phillips Exeter Academy, planned elaborate treasure hunts for his children and his family. So he grew up with that kind of a background. But he wanted to be a singer-songwriter, and that's oh. what he tried to become. I'll be darned. And he didn't start writing till he was 32. Oh, well, there you go. Isn't that fascinating? See, and it, you don't know what sticks in your head as you get older. No. I love it. I love it. That's and and good... his uh, his wife, Blythe, is uh, his research partner with all the research his novels require. Oh, it's just full of research. And what I love about those novels, in the beginning, it says, this is a novel, it is fiction except here are the facts, because it weaves the novel around the facts, and then it's a whole list of things that actually are true, and that makes it even more fascinating. Okay, let's take a break now. You're listening to The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marcia Smith. We'll be back in just a moment. We return now to The Off-Ramp, and today we decided with uh, the coronavirus and uh, people deciding to self-isolate and spend more time at home, we would go along with that trend. We know that a lot of people are reading more right now, and, and they're not necessarily reading about the news. They're trying to escape things. We just mentioned earlier that our local library told us that uh, most of the new books had been taken out, so people are looking for a bit of a distraction, maybe a vacation from what's going on outside their homes. So uh, that's why my partner, Marcia Smith, and I decided we would hunker down today with a fun topic, trivia on authors and books. Okay, what famous author was a customs inspector? Oh, oh, I know that. Well, no, that was Einstein. We actually mentioned his book a little while ago. This author was a customs inspector. That was his day job. I thought Einstein was... uh... 
He was a patent inspector. Oh, yeah. I knew. He was not an author. He was a scientist. Yes. <laughs> this is an author. <laughs> Trying to keep you focused here, Marsh. Uh, Mark Twain. No. Herman Melville, the author of Moby Dick. Oh, good. Uh, Moby, yeah. That book, by the way, was not a big success. Not in, with me either. No. In 1851. No, no, not a fan. No. Nor were his subsequent novels. They were only so liked So why later. is he such a big deal today? I don't know. <laughs> He was Literature not a su- teachers. Liter- he was not a success at those. He was not a success at a lecture series he tried. So in 1866, his wife and his family worked together, and they got him a job as a New York City customs clerk. Oh my gosh, isn't that interesting? And he held that job for the next two decades. Even oh. then, he apparently wasn't remarkable at that because in 20 years, he never received a raise. <laughs> so why do people like? Moby Dick. I don't know. Well, we have to ask an English teacher because it's on every reading list. He wrote Moby Dick in 1851, and for the next 14, 15 years, he was trying to be a full-time writer and was not succeeding, so they got him the customs job. Yeah, well, that God bless And from that point on, he was a customs inspector. It paid for his writing. Wow. (laughs) Give me another. What famous author once endorsed a computer, even appearing in a magazine ad for a computer company? Got another another hint, Bob? He was a science fiction writer. Oh. Was it uh, novels or screenplays? Novels. Most known for oh. his science fiction novels. Oh, was it What's His Name that our son loves? It's What's His Name. Yes. No. Oh. Uh, you have to come up with a name here. I know here. I'm thinking. Isaac Asimov. Really? Yeah, I've read a lot of his books. He became a spokesman for a technology retailer, Radio Shack. No. Yeah. This is 1980, the early days of the personal computers. Radio Shack's TRS-80 was one of the very first personal computers. It was a bona fide computer that they modeled Mm. and they marketed. So he was, of course, a professor of uh, biochemistry, a best-selling science fiction writer. He was an international vice president of Mensa. So he was very leery about endorsing any product. But he did a one-on-one tutorial of this computer's pioneering word processing software, and he could see the benefits as a writer. Well, of course you can. Wow, that's awesome. So in 1980, he took the plunge, saying that the uh, TRS-80 echoed technology he dreamed up as part of his foundation series. And actually, he also predicted microwaves, automated coffee machines, and self-driving cars in his book. So Yeah, he was something. Very far-sighted. Yes. Very far say Okay, here's one I bet you don't get. Okay. What is considered the first American novel? The first American novel? Yep. This is, is this a title I would even know? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what, what was it All and right. when was it published? Oh, here's a clue. It was written in 1789 in Boston. Okay, I was alive then. <laughs> All right, it's called The Power of Sympathy. And who wrote that? A dude called William Hill Brown and uh, is considered the first American novel. It's a morality tale about the danger of seduction. Mm. Something that's been... (laughs) Pretty popular right today. (laughs) It's been popular in literature for centuries. Hasn't lost its appeal. (laughs) Okay, here's a a question for you. Mm -hmm. Name this author. He had terrible troubles with money, even though he earned great sums. He made... Risky investments in new technologies and startups and was bankrupt by the age of 59. Wasn't Norman Mailer, was it? No. Uh-uh. Again, <laughs> he was 
Well, you... He earned great sums. He made risky investments in new technologies and startups. Was bankrupt by the age of 59. Uh, another clue? You got another clue? Give me a, one of his works or hers. Wrote a lot of books that centered around childhood, but they weren't child books. And some of them were banned. <laughs> How's that? How's that? Uh, Lord of the Flies, stuff like that? No. No? no well, it's I... 19th century stuff. Oh, okay. I don't know, Bob. And he wrote the first book written on a typewriter. You would know that, wouldn't you? That is so Bob. Uh, I don't know. Oh, gee, I gave you all these clues. <laughs> you know, I knew it this morning. Who wrote the first book on he a really, typewriter? He really was ahead of his time in trying to do all these things. Mark Twain, Samuel Clemens. Ah! How could I not get that? He did that. I mean, he he was. He I was, didn't know he was. So he monetarily failed. Lived his life uh, till the age of fifty nine. He's bankrupt. Oh dear! He was so amazing. But he invested in all kinds of typesetting things, and the typewriter was one thing, and you know he did all, all kinds of. Did st- he die in poverty? No, he didn't, because to pay back his creditors, he launched an around the world lecture tour, which was highly successful. He performed a one man show in more than one hundred twenty cities around the globe. You you know why I wouldn't have thought of him is because um, because we both recently uh, listened to the book on President Grant. We know that it was Mark Twain that helped him out of a financial hole by getting his book published. Yes, that that would have been a clue for you. You'd know who it was right away, and that's why I didn't tell you that. <laughs> Now, listen to this. So Mark Twain did this one-man lecture tour in more than 120 cities around the globe over a period of a couple of years and and became fabulously wealthy from that. Now, who's the person who replicated this years later? Who did a one-man show on Mark Twain that that ran for 2,000 performances for 63 years? Oh, well, it's not the guy I was thinking of. No, it is who you're thinking of. Hal Holbrook? Hal Holbrook. He did it for 63 years? 63 years no. he was doing Yes. No. He started doing Mark Twain before he became a big star, before he became a big really? uh, movie star Didn't and TV star. Didn't we see star. him live a we million saw him years ago? Right here in our hometown. We saw him do wow. Mark Twain tonight, and it was outstanding. It was. But he had did that show for 63 years before retiring. And he was he's quite a guy. More than 2,000 performances. Jeez, that's amazing. And he was excellent. Okay, now here's uh, one last question, and it's about somebody you did like and you used to read, and he has passed on. If that helps. <laughs> Everything helps. For a time, this author worked in the public relations department at General Electric. That's clue number one. <laughs> was it Wolf? No. Okay. He later managed a car dealership in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Uh, who was the author? Was it, uh, and so it goes, yes. Kurt Vonnegut? Yes, Kurt Vonnegut. <laughs> yeah, and in his 1973 book, Breakfast of Champions, he drew on his days selling cars in painting his protagonist, who was a Pontiac dealer. Oh, okay. But he was a Saab dealer. Oh, really? Apparently he used to doodle on the little Saab stationery when he was bored or well, something. Well, he doodled himself into literary history, yeah. I guess. That's... Okay, one more. All right. This author began her career as a textbook editor for Random House and was also a professor of creative writing and literature at Princeton. Who was this author? It wasn't, no, it wouldn't have been Nora Ephron. Uh, it was, I have no idea. Toni Morrison. Oh, she wrote. The Color Purple. Yeah. She was a textbook editor and then later became a professor of creative writing and literature at Princeton. And in between those two jobs, textbook editor and professor, she transferred to Random House's 
Literary Office, and there she edited titles by Muhammad Ali, Huey Newton, Angela Davis, and James Baldwin before anybody knew who she was. No kidding. 19 years she did that before becoming a professor and a published author. But she was writing all the time. Apparently, Uh even as a textbook editor, she woke up at 4 a.m. to To write write for herself. Well, that's a hit parade of authors she helped. That's amazing. Okay, our topic, authors and books, and one last question. Oh, really? Okay. What book series has won 17 Academy Awards? What book series? Oh, that was that Harry Potter? You know, that's what I would have thought, but no, it's not. Uh, it's, it's not Fifty Shades of Gray, White, and Purple, is it? No. Um, it, oh, is it? Is this a Academy Awards? So it's a movies? Yes. It's not, uh, 17 Academy Awards so far, I might add. All right, so then it's not that old. And the series is still alive. What book series has won 17 Gosh. Academy Awards? Oh, oh. Um, tell me. Lord of the Rings. Oh, jeez, yes. And then that began with The Hobbit, which was published in 1937, and it spawned more than seven movies. Yeah. The first six, yeah. they won 17 Academy Awards. Really? And jeez. earned more than $6 billion. Okay, Bob, who wrote the famous words, I think, therefore I am? Let's get philosophical. I don't know. He's considered the father of modern philosophy. Modern philosophy? Yes. Would that be somebody from the 19th century? No. You'd oh, think okay. so. Yeah, but I no. think modern. We're talking uh, original philosophy, is Socrates modern? and Plato. That's oh, but, so, so this took, is modern compared to that. C- correct. So this is one of the Renaissance people, perhaps? Yeah, so just uh, throw me a name. He was French. What's the answer? René Descartes, the Frenchman who lived 1596 to 1650. And that's modern philosophy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Everything has a yes. different perspective, that's doesn't right. it? That's right. Well, it's modern compared to, you know, Plato. So I suppose. What do you want? Everything is based on the foundations a lot of those Greek philosophers laid down. This guy was French, so he took it up uh, to a different notch. Okay, I have one more question again. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? <laughs> this is about a current author, and um, she is alive. She was a key punch operator, a circuit board designer, and a technical writer. Yet her books are about prehistoric people. So this is a person versed in technology. Who is she? No clue. She was a key punch operator, key punch. a circuit board designer, and a technical writer. I have no clue. She's alive. Jean Owl. She's the author of Clan of the Cave Bear. It's a series. It's a kid's book. Oh, really? And it's about a group of Paleolithic cave people. And she did not have a privileged upbringing. She married her high school sweetheart at the age of 18, and then she took night school classes in physics and math to earn a master's in business administration. Yeah, bless her heart. Um, and then she climbed the ladder at a Portland, Oregon electronics company until she hit a glass ceiling. And who knows? She may have gotten her inspiration for the Cave People book from her work at the electronics factory because the clan of the, <laughs> the clan of the Cave Bear was about a prehistoric woman living among strangers. Uh, she may have felt like a stranger when she discovered, after years of working for the electronics factory, that it absolutely refused to make any females managers. Oh wow! So she quit her job. No well, wonder her heroine is a feisty female. I, I, would th- I would think so. Well, you go. She was a 40-year-old mother of five at the time. Oh. And her book series has lasted more than 30 years. Wow. 
Yeah, that sounds fascinating. Plan doesn't the it? cave bear. Yeah, that's excellent. So that's it for today on the off ramp. Marcia, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Bob. Always nice to be with you. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> and we hope you join us again next time on the off ramp. Okay. Bye bye. <laughs> okay. That wasn't too awful. The Off-Ramp with Bob Smith is produced in association with CPL Radio and the Cedarbrook Public Library, Cedarbrook, Wisconsin.